when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey, everybody. What is going on? And welcome back to the Soto Mojo podcast. This is Colby Patnode, and I am joined, as always, by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, but uh, before we get started, you know, I just want to say rest in peace to Tyler Skaggs. That was just awful news to hear uh, on the weekend, and, uh, you know, I want to send our best to our uh, to our friends over at Halo Hangout. That's just, it's that's bigger than baseball, and that's just... Really, really sad, sad news. It is indeed, and uh, anytime there's the death of a uh, of a player, it really kind of uh, sends shockwaves through the game. And uh, you know, there's it's really tough to find anybody who says a bad thing about Skaggs. He's just 27 years old. He was going to be 28 next week, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it just. It, it sucks for obviously uh, friends and family, his teammates, the Angels organization, the fans, um, just you know anybody who ever knew the guy. So it is it's yeah. a it's a tough situation, and um, you know it sometimes life really sucks when you want to focus on something as trivial as baseball. But uh, it's just a reminder that you know life doesn't stop. Uh, life continues even when we talk about uh, things as ultimately unimportant as baseball it can be so um yeah rest in peace to tyler skaggs and uh you know it's it it was it was a really tough and uh it was just it was a gut punch when it was announced and you just kind of sit there for a few minutes not really sure what to do so um yeah just it's it's brutal and it's it's really sad so um Mm -hmm. yeah rest in peace to tyler skaggs yeah so now let's make the awkward transition to something a little more, uh, well, what you guys came to listen to, at least. Um, that's the Seattle Mariners baseball. So on today's show, guys, we have a few topics. Um, we're going to talk about how the team's playing right now, uh, which is a lot better if you guys haven't been paying attention. Um, we're going to congratulate, obviously, uh, we'll just do it now. Congratulations to Daniel Vogelback. He is your uh, Mariners representative to the All-Star game. Well-deserved. Um We'll talk about him a little bit as well. Um, And then the bulk of the show today, we're going to talk about two subjects that have kind of popped up on Twitter lately, had some good conversations with people. Um, So we thought we'd uh, we'd bring that to the podcast. Uh, So today we're going to talk about um, the Mariners potentially being buyers this summer and what buying actually looks like for a team like the Seattle Mariners. And then we're going to talk about why there's so much... um, importance placed on winning trades uh uh this largely comes from a uh, a matt calkins piece i believe he wrote it um basically the idea of the mariners may not have won the mitch Haniger trade um which is nonsense but 
but also we'll talk about why did why did that even matter. So that's that's the show today, Ty. But let's start with uh, the Mariners, who are playing some pretty good ball. You know, they went out on the road last week, and it was two it was a two and four road trip, which doesn't sound great. Um, but when you watch the games and you consider where the team was, uh, there was a lot of a uh, lot of positive takeaways. Yeah, I think um, you know just seeing this team, it's just a it's a little bit more of a respectable product um, that's being put that out there on a on a nightly basis, and uh, you know, and you're you're seeing some things that you would hope to see. You, you know, JP Crawford has been fantastic. Um, Austin Adams has been really fun to watch uh, coming out of the bullpen and uh, someone like Tommy Malone, who's just kind of come out of nowhere and has been a solid contributor for this team every fifth night. So a lot of, a lot of really interesting stuff to, to, you know, watch and, you know, the results uh, in the win loss column aren't, aren't really there. Uh, But, you know, it's uh, it, they've been uh, a bit more uh, palatable. Yeah, it's they've definitely been um, easier to watch. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, right. And it's especially easy when you consider right now the guys who are kind of carrying the load, like you mentioned, J.P. Crawford, but also Malik Smith has had a really nice mm-hmm. uh, month and a half year. Um, Omar Nervaez continues to hit well. Um, you know, you're starting to see guys. Uh, Marco's in a nice little run right now. Um, even even you say he really struggled in the second inning. There were a couple of pitches that, uh, you know, probably should have been called strikes and that thing changes. But he still managed, you know, we, we've seen Kikuchi do this before. We've seen him have a rough inning and you're like, OK, well, there's he's just done. Just take him out. And then he, mm-hmm. you know, settles in and he gives you a good quality outing overall. So, um, you know, you start talking about all these guys. Domingo Santana who's 26 years old. He's been doing well. Um it's been fun to watch guys like Austin Nola um, finally get a chance at the big league level and actually handle himself pretty well. Um, you know, and like you, said, you mentioned, Austin Adams, he's been awesome to watch. Um, Monroe and Elias has really uh, locked down the ninth inning here as of late, um, which, uh, which does segue into a question we got from uh, our good buddy at Seattle underscore oh nine. So let's just address that now. He wanted to know if we thought the bullpen had finally kind of settled in or if they were just in a hot streak. Um, the bullpen was really good on the road, Ty. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I um, you know, I think with with Elias and, and Austin Adams leading the charge, uh, you're seeing, you know, a bit more consistency. And they were going to find their guys eventually. We, we talked about this for a while that, um, sooner or later, they would be able to piece, a, you know, a couple pitchers here to, in, together and, and create something, you know, uh, of a bullpen uh, by the end of the season. So I think you're starting to see that come together, and and uh, and that's showing through here with the with their recent run of success. Um, but you know, we'll see. Uh, bullpens are so finicky, and um, but you know, I, I really like what I see at, at you know at the back end and. Um, we'll see who else, you know, kind of jumps out there. Yeah, I think, uh, the bullpen is settled to a certain degree because, uh, Austin Adams has been so good. And basically where we're at now is depot or depot is a uh, service saying, um, Hey, is the tying run at the plate and is it the middle of the order? 
okay, Austin Adams is going to pitch, and then Rowanis is going to pitch the ninth. Um, and just finding out who's going to pitch in between those guys. Um, so far, it's been Anthony Bass. He's not that impressive at all. Um, so I, I think you know you're starting to see uh, you know, Adams being used really as the he's the ace of the bullpen. He's the fireman. He goes out there, he puts out all the fires, and then he hands Rowanis a nice cushy, uh, you know, a nice cushy lead, uh, a nice cushy situation where he's coming in with nobody on base uh, to get three outs. So um, I think those two guys have sort of stabilized. The rest of it is still iffy, um, but you know, it's it's nice that Service is using the bull. He's not sticking with Adams as like the eighth inning only guy. And that helps because Adams can get you four or five outs. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit of both because obviously Adams is, if Adams was this good for the rest of the year, he'd be the best reliever in baseball and it wouldn't be close. I mean, so uh, we're talking about, he's better than Hader right now. Um, so that's saying something, but uh, obviously he'll, he'll regress. I mean, nobody's that good. It's not that big of a deal. So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, but I do think the stabilize the stabilizing factor has been Adams and the fact that he can go multiple innings and he can go through you know the heart of somebody's lineup and get a strikeout when he needs it. So um, yeah, I think I think that's interesting to watch going forward. Yeah. So so um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, about Daniel Vogelback, who makes the All Star team. Congratulations to him. Uh, mm-hmm. Congratulations to Colton. Who's kind of the the founder of the Church of Cornelius? Um, so good, good, good for him. And uh, you know, was uh, anyone able to spot his uh, sign, his very I, elaborate sign last night? <laughs> I did not see it um, because I was at a uh, a West Coast call, collegiate uh, baseball league game. Um, okay. So I did not get in until the the first. The first thing I saw on my TV when I walked in, when I walked into the room, uh, when I got home was uh, Tim Beckham's home run. So, uh, okay, good time to come in. That wasn't yeah. even an eighty grade bat flip. That was a ninety grade bat flip. <laughs> yeah, that was that nobody, was pretty pretty spectacular. Nobody flips it like Beckham. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it's really cool to see Vogel back make the all-star team this is a guy who you know a year ago people were wondering you know what's his deal um is he a 4a player like that was a legitimate question people were asking and even this you know this spring people were like uh you know people were um almost angry at our suggestion that he should be playing every day um because he was really bad in his first what 150 major league at bats Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are four months later and he's an all-star and very deserving and arguably the most popular player on the Mariners right now. You think that's fair? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it just goes to show you, maybe you don't make harsh criticisms of somebody after 150 plate appearances. I just, you know, sometimes believe it or not, players need more than, you know, five weeks to settle in mm-hmm. and hit. So, um, I don't know, let, let me ask you this. What is your favorite Daniel Vogelback memory from the first half? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, pro- yeah, probably, uh, well, 
a very personal one of mine is is when uh, Dave Sem said uh, Daniel Cornelius Vogelback live on uh, live on television. That was that was a pretty spectacular moment. But as for uh, Vogie himself, um, it's got to be that home. Uh, I think he hit it against the Angels. And it was like in the eighth inning, and it was like a go-ahead home run. It, it was that slicing one that just went to center field. It went to the pen, right? And it was like a line drive, but it went so far. And it was at a really critical point in the game too. Um, I think that was against the Angels. Yeah, this is the slicing. Yeah, the ball that had it not been as that hard, Trout probably could have caught with a medium-sized jump. At the mm-hmm. wall, but it was yeah. I, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah, uh, I think it was off of Cody Allen in like the eighth, some bottom yeah. Of the eighth, yeah, like yeah. I think it was like two two or three three, something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them. Volkovac hit some big home runs. He hit the one. Oh no no no! no. I actually know my favorite moment. Sorry, uh, I just remembered the go ahead home run against the Royals in Kansas City. Ah yes, the game that the Mariners really didn't look like they had any interest in winning. Yeah, yeah. The the come from behind victory really early. Uh, that was the that was the one that got them to thirteen and two, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's what got us a cable Thanos video. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? At the end of the year, that's all we really wanted. So mission yeah. accomplished. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I I really like the home run he hit off of Lou Trevino uh, in the bottom of the eighth against. Oh yeah. Against the A's in Seattle, it was really similar to the. Uh, it was really similar to the the Angels home run we were talking about earlier. Um, I just I love that because Melvin comes out and gets tossed, like as Vogelback's yeah. rounding the bases because that was the hitter before probably should have been strike three, the pitch mm-hmm. before should have been strike three to whoever was hitting ahead of Vogelback. It was called a ball. It was a really iffy pitch, and then. Trevino throws a 98-mile-an-hour fastball down the pipe, and Vogelback sends it to Dongtown. The Mariners tie it up. It was awesome. It was, it was just awesome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the home run he hit over the Hit It Here Cafe, that's, that's yeah. That, <laughs> that's something, yeah. Yeah, that's probably that. that's probably most people's memory to beat. Um, yeah. Yeah, that one, that one wasn't nothing. So. <laughs> and, unfortunately, StatCast was broken. So, oh yeah, that was the night stack cast. Never was know how far that. If if they had said anything less than four seventy, four eighty, I wouldn't believe them. So, yeah. um, I think stack cast is wrong a lot, um, particularly <laughs> on distance, because uh, they 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 have some, and you're like, there's no way that's only four hundred thirty feet or whatever. Um, like the one he hit off of the hit it here cafe target last year. Mm-hmm. They said that was only like. 432 or something like that. I was like, that's that's BS. There's no way. Um, but whatever. Um, so yeah, what the uh, there is two spots open left in the uh, in the Derby that have not been announced yet. So still an outside shot there, but I'm not too optimistic. Ty, are you? Uh, I'm gonna keep the faith. I think he should get in. Uh, I think there will be. Yeah, I, well, no. What I mean is, like, I think, um, I think some players ahead of, that may be ahead of him on MLB's list uh, will turn it down. Um, like you saw Joey Gallo turn it down. So, 
Uh, we'll see. Um, but, you know, it, it's not over yet. And uh, he would be fun. And, you know, the the MLB, I think, is aware of uh, of his meme status in Seattle. So, uh, and just kind of across baseball now, I, I, I can't imagine that they wouldn't put him in. Um in one of these last two spots, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just have a hard time seeing that with how much, I mean, the MLB put Vlad Jr. in with his eight home runs and his 424 slugging percentage, clearly because of, you know, Name. marketing purposes. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Daniel Vogelbeck now has pull. He's kind of, I don't know, he's not like, uh, he's not Bartolo status or anything like that, but around the league, he's kind of, you know, kind he's of a, a meme player, but he's also really good. So I, 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 yeah. So I think, uh, I think, I think he still has a pretty good chance. Yeah, I would say, um, I'd just say it looks unlikely, which is unfortunate because Vogelback was in the triple A. Home run derby last year, I think it was. And he won, right? I think he got second. And okay. It, the word was that he put on quite a show. Um, so I would, I would love to see him in there. Um, basically, because it would be the only part of All Star Week I would actually watch. But uh, plus, he's plus he's a lefty in Cleveland with that porch. Mm. You yep. could, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think he had a really good shot to win it if he can get in it. I just don't think he can get in it. So um, it's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, you know, the Mariners playing some good baseball right now, um, you know, by their standards uh, for a rebuilding team standards. They're playing some good baseball right now. Daniel Vogelback's an all-star, which is really fun. There's still a shot that he plays, that he gets a chance in the home run derby, which is also really neat. And, uh you know, it's it's there. There are a lot worse places you could be right now uh, as a baseball fan. Like you could be a fan of the Mets. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah, things are going actually OK for the Mariners. I think that's I think that's important to uh, point out. So are you a little surprised that Narvaez didn't also make it? Um, yeah, I think he is more than deserving of it. Um. The hang-up with Narvaez, to me, was always going to be... Uh, I knew he wasn't going to win the fan vote. And I think a major league manager was going to take a guy with a, you know, with a more... Uh, like a defensive reputation. And mm-hmm. catcher, for some reason, seems to be a position where people uh, really favor experience. Um like a guy like Yadi Molina, he's going to make it pretty much every year. Is Yadi Molina one of the 10 best catchers in baseball anymore? Probably not. Um, but, you know, he'll make it every year. So I just, you know, I, uh, I don't know, man. It's one of those things. I'm not surprised. But I am disappointed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think he deserves and, and it. And hey, the you know the guy that he lost out to, James McCann, is having a really good year at the plate, and is also a pretty solid defensive catcher. Yeah, McCann, McCann has been better than uh, Narvaez. So I mean, it's not, it you know, just statistically, he's just been better. 
Um, yeah. So it's not, it's not like a big blow for me, but I, I do think he deserves it. Um, and I do think, you know, it's just it's just one of those things, man. I think I think the defense hurts him, and the lack of name recognition. Uh, he's just he's never going to get more votes than, you know, Gary Sanchez. Gary yeah. Sanchez is a Yankee, and you know, and really offensively, Narvaez is basically having. I mean, the the slugging really separates them, but. Narvaez might be a better catcher than Gary Sanchez. So, um, so yeah, it's it's annoying, I would say, but not not all that surprising. Yeah. So, um, it doesn't diminish what uh, what Omar has done in the first half of this year by any stretch either. So, um, yeah, it's it is what it is. Um, and should he be there? Yeah, I think so. Am I surprised that he's not? No, I'm not. So, anyways, uh, we actually did get a few late questions, so uh, we'll tack those on to the end here. So let's roll through this. Um, this is kind of, I think, this is probably going to take up the bulk of the podcast today. Um, let's let's talk about the Mariners as buyers this summer and what that actually means. Um, now, I put out on our social media that I still think the Mariners are going to make one buyer's move mm-hmm. and inevitably every time i put that out somebody responds with why and i think we need to address what buying actually is uh particularly in the mariner's case uh-huh. uh, because there seems to be a general idea of what is and what isn't buying um so i mean i guess we'll just start here rentals are absolutely out of the question That's yeah not- yeah so when I when I say when we say buy, right, we're not talking mm. about like the Yankees going out and buying Edwin Encarnacion. That's not the buy the Mariners are going to make. That doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. So rentals are out. We're not talking about rentals. Um, we're also really not talking about guys who are going to be free agents after next season. Even like we're not yeah. talking about them. Um, we're really talking about guys with three plus years of control, um, that are either ready or, or are already playing in the, in the MLB or are close to ready. Um, you know, uh, the Mariners could go out in theory and go and buy a, you know, because people love their you know prospect rankings, they could go out and buy one of Pipeline's top fifty prospects if they wish. You know, for example, right? Right. They could do that. Um, they could go and get a player like, uh, let's see here, like John Gray, mm-hmm. who you've written about. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at here: is a guy that uh, is in the MLB right now and is succeeding or maybe stumbling a little bit, but has a solid reputation and a lot of projectability um, or, um, or a prospect that's, you know, crushing it in the minor leagues, et cetera. Right. Right. So when we say bye, and by the way, um, one of the guys that's out there, probably the most expensive player available this July is going to be Matthew Boyd. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know that that makes sense for the Mariners. I really don't. I like Matthew Boyd, uh, but he's pitching over his head right now. And the, the, so far from what's been leaked, the Tigers have asked the Yankees for Glaber Torres. <laughs> and I saw they, that. They've asked the, uh, they've asked the Astros for Kyle Tucker. Um, and, you know, so for the Mariners, that means they're definitely asking about Kelnick. And you say no. Yep. Um, they're going to ask about Gilbert. That really doesn't make sense because Gilbert could be Boyd in two years and be a lot cheaper. So it doesn't really and make have sense. have more control yeah. by that point. So, yeah. I, so, you know, you get to the point. So would I like Matthew Boyd? Yeah. I mean, I like Boyd. He's from Seattle. He's a good pitcher. I think he's a good fit. And I know that we know they had interest in him last year. But is like the Matthew Boyd really makes sense for the Mariners if the Tigers are going to try and get, you know, either a, a borderline all-star in Glaber Torres or, you know, a top 10 prospect like Kyle Tucker. No, he doesn't. So um, think of it like this. Uh, think of what the Rays did last year. The Rays really weren't in a position to contend. They, you know, they got hot towards the end of the year and almost, uh, and, and won enough games to, to make the playoffs in most years. But um, you know what they did with the Tommy Pham trade. So, um, that's something that the Mariners could potentially look at here is getting a guy that has control and is, you know, either having a really good year or what have you and, uh, and bringing them in early on. Because now at this point you have a really deep farm system that you can trade from. That's not going to kill you. Even if you include three of your better play, you know, prospects, Unless obviously those three are like Kellenic, you know, Gilbert and Rodriguez all one. But um but even then, you know, you you have money to spend for the future. Uh there's a you know, this is now the time where you'll see as you're gonna start seeing Jerry DePoto add players that he sees fit for when they are actually going to contend. Um, whether it be through free agency or through, you know, trades. Um, because he has a ton of resources at hand now. He has resources that he didn't have in years past. Uh, there's a lot of money coming off of the books going into free agency next year. Uh, and you have, and like I said, you have a deep farm system that you can trade from. Um, so it's just about stocking up talent and getting prepared to really go full, you know, speed ahead into, uh, 2021 and 2022. Right. Um, and when you talk about, that's the thing is that a lot of people who are hesitant or they just reject the idea on principle, it's all about, well, you know, why would the Mariners trade? They're rebuilding. Why would they trade assets for somebody who's going to leave in 2022? Um, well, because Jerry DePoto has come out and very publicly said the goal is to be competitive again by 2021. And, yeah. and the even Mar then, with how free agency has gone and how, you know, right. and these really team friendly deals players are signing lately. Yeah, there's no guarantee that a that a player that you get is suddenly just going to leave in 2022. 
Right, but that's the thing is that even if like if you're if you're serious about your goal of 2021, you need it's it's not even a debatable. You need outside help. You just have yeah. to have it because there's a pretty good chance Kelnick is a rookie in the second half of 2021. Uh, you know, there's Justin Dunn, Justice Chef. These guys, I mean, they may be good in 2022, 2023, but they're going to be in their first or second years, second year of the big leagues at best. And how many guys come in? I mean, you, are we expecting Jared Kelnick to be Juan Soto? I mean, that's that's a big ask right away. So for the Mariners to actually compete in 2021, they need help from the outside. Um, and free agency is becoming more and more bare as more and more of these players are signing these these extensions. So the free agent class is getting weaker. Jerry Depoto has the assets to trade and to get quality players without really touching his big guns down there. So you can still do that. Yeah. And when has Jerry Depoto ever, as the Mariners manager, preferred free agency to trading it just yeah. it doesn't happen so and that's I mean, not to say he won't go into free agency because he really hasn't had a lot of money to work with here right. uh in his tenure so i really and i do think that this rebuild is a lot different to what the cubs and the astros did so i'm not comparing it in that sense but look at how those teams finished off their ball clubs when they got ready to go into their what ended up being world series seasons for them um they added quality veterans on on solid deals that you know, like like at the Cubs, they went out and they got Jason Hayward and Ben Zobris once Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo were really starting to come together. Uh, yeah, Javi Baez, etc. You know, and then uh, you look at the Astros when Correa and Springer and and Bregman and everyone, you know, they went out and got McCann and Reddick. Um, those are the kinds of moves that I expect the Mariners to make even as early as this off season to go out and maybe get a veteran on a three year deal that you think can help you in the next couple of years that may have to take his lumps in the first year, be, you know, because you're just not there yet, but you will be there. And that's kind of the idea that you sell that player on as well. Right. And, you know, you look at a team like the Cubs, for example, uh, they're a good example because a lot of people say, well, you know, they won their World World Series through draft and development, and they really didn't. Um, the World Series the Cubs won, you look, Chris Bryant, yes, he was he was drafted and developed, and that's a good example. But Anthony Rizzo was a trade. You yeah. know, Aroldis Chapman was a trade. John Lester was a free agent signing. Um, you know, there was a, much more of that team was built on trades and free agency than they were on – the farm Montgomery. Yeah. So that one worked out for the Mariners. Um, Powell, but, Hen Powell Hendricks. Yep. Was Jake Arietta. Yeah. Jake yep. Arietta was a trade. Um, so, you know, you just kind of go through the list here and a lot of teams, you know, people seem to think the only way to rebuild is you keep these young guys forever and you just hope that they work out. It's not the case. Most teams, like I said, the Astros are actually kind of the outlier here. And the reason the Astros went the way they did is because they didn't have any young players that they wanted to keep, and they didn't have any veteran players that they could sell for anything. They didn't. The most valuable player the Astros had when they were losing was what? Wandy Rodriguez at 32? <laughs> whoop de doo You know what I mean? Like, So yeah, you know what? When you don't have young players you're going to keep and you don't have old players that have trade value, 
yeah, you tank because that's your only option. The Mariners aren't in that position. The Mariners are in a position where they have young talent still that they want to keep. They had veterans that still had trade value. And so they didn't have to do that first step and that second step that a lot of teams do. They're kind of on step three right now. They're determining mm-hmm. which one of their young players they want to keep and build around. They've traded off the veterans who aren't going to be here long term for the most part. And they've built up a farm system. So now you're in a spot where the Mariners could very easily be kind of like, like you mentioned, the Tampa Bay Rays of last year in 2020, where you know maybe they're not quite playoff ready, but you can see the young guys, they're all starting to kind of come up and produce, and they've made a few smart trades. Uh, you know, they've been smart with their free agent money so they can go out and get this, uh, this guy that they really need and that they still have this farm system that they can go supplement in the middle of the year. Like I said, 2020 is, you're probably not going to compete there, but I could easily see that team winning like 83 games. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, look, we have Kelnick now and we have, we have Kelnick getting ready to come up and Gilbert's really close. And, you know, Julio's in double A this year. So he's coming up right around the bend and we have. You know, Shed Long took this step, and J.P. Crawford's an everyday three, four-win shortstop, and Malik's is really solidified center, and Jake Fraley's out there splitting time with who cares, and Mitch Hanniger's out there doing his thing, and you look at it and you go, hey, you know what? We can go into free agency this year, and we can go sign, you know, the Ben Zobrist of this free agent class, and hey, what do you know? Because we went out last last summer and we traded for John Gray. We have a number two starting pitcher now, and even if it's only for a year, we didn't have to pay thirty million dollars to sign him. Yeah. He, he he cost us, you know, Braden Bishop and Cal Raleigh and you know whatever. So, um, it's there's a lot really going on, and I do like that example of the Tommy Pham trade um, because you know Tommy Pham is a good player, <clears throat> and St. Louis traded him because he's a little bit older. Than you would think. He's you know thirty one years old, thirty years old when they traded him, um, mm-hmm. and he was hitting two forty eight, three thirty one, three thirty nine. He was coming off a great twenty seventeen, um, and they were just kind of you know, eh, let's trade him for what we can. And I be- can you name one player that the Rays gave up for? gave gave up for uh, Tommy Pham. Mm, not off the top of my head. Let's look no. at that trade actually. Here, here it is. It's right here. They uh-huh. gave up. Roel Ramirez. Ever heard of him? Uh uh. Nope. Genesis Genesis Cabrera. And Justin Williams. Man, the Yeah, I tell you, the Rays really emptied that deep farm system of theirs to go get a guy who this year is helping them win the American League East, or at the very least a playoff spot. Mm. And is hitting two eighty five, three eighty five, four seventy. And he's not even ARB eligible until next year. Yeah, he's a free agent after 2021. 2022. Nice. I'm looking at 2021 here, but... Oh, uh, really? Are you on fan graphs? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm on baseball reference, so... Whatever, either uh, way. He's controllable, right? You got him for two or three years. Oh, uh, okay. Him. No, no, no. Spot, Spot Track has him free agent in 2022. Okay, well, whatever it is. Either way. Yeah, yeah. The, the point still stands here. <laughs> Say so you can go out, you go go find this year's Tommy Fam, and I don't know who it is. I don't, um, you know, I don't know if it's a pitcher or it's a position player. I don't know, um, mm-hmm. and we're throwing out a lot of trades right now. But at the end of the day, we don't even know if the guys we're talking about are available or not. 
So I don't yeah. know who this year's Tommy Pham is, but I know he's out there and I know he can be had for a surprisingly good price because for some reason bats in the middle of the year, they're, they're typically pretty cheap. Um, mm. You know, you look at what Encarnacion went for, you look at what J.D. Martinez went for, you look at what Tommy Pham went for, you think any of those teams regret those trades? No. <laughs> so, I mean, it makes sense to buy if you, you have to get a guy who's going to be here at least through the end of the 2021 season. Yeah. And those are the type of guys we're buying. And those are guys who are going to be between 26 and 29. Maybe there's a lot of depth there behind that player. or Maybe there's, you know, some kind of problem with the player and the organization. Maybe the team just kind of fell out late in July and they're like, Oh, you know, we want to compete next year. And we have this young left fielder. We're going to bring up. We got a clear space for him. Let's do it now. Um, so those are the type of things we're talking about when we're buying. We're not talking about going out and trading for Edwin Encarnacion, who's a rental, or Marcus Stroman, who's a free agent after next year. Those guys don't make sense. They don't fit the timeline. And even guys who are after 2021, who are gone after 2021, they have to fill a need, and they have to be, they have to be, uh, they have, what's the word I'm looking for here? That, it would really help if they were around until after 2022. Um, And those are the type of players we're talking about. And so when I say buy, I don't mean Madison Bumgarner. It could be something as simple as finding the next Ben Gamble. You know what I mean? Or maybe you trade Domingo Santana, but you trade him for a starting pitcher who has five years of club control. You know what I mean? And so I consider those buys because you're adding major league talent to your major league roster. And to me, that's what a buy is. And for the Mariners, that major league talent just needs to be controlled at least through 2021. And I think that's something that's going to happen. Um, You know, is it likely? No, I don't think it's likely. I just think it's going to happen. And so that's what we're talking about when we say buy. So um, don't, don't you worry, guys. We're not... We're not jumping off the deep end to, to trade for Madison Bumgarner to win 73 games instead of 72. That's not what we're <laughs> talking about. So Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, let's talk about, let's see how we're doing on time here. Okay, we're okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Real quick, let's talk about the, uh, the obsession we seem to have with uh, winning trades. Uh, we saw this immediately after the Jay Bruce trade. We saw it immediately after the Encarnacion trade. People just so quick to, up. Oh, they lost that trade. They lost that trade. They won that trade. They won that trade. Aside from that being ridiculous to claim that, you know, days after it happens. Mm-hmm. Ty, I, I guess I'll ask you, why on earth does it matter if a team wins an individual trade? Hmm. To make fans feel better about themselves. <laughs> I think that's the only answer. Um, yeah. I. It's like, I don't know. If we really, because you have to just, you have to look back on, did it make sense at the time of? Because like, all right, let's, let's take a look at the Mets trade, like the Cano Diaz deal, right? And look at it from the Mets perspective. Now the Mets at the time were, 
the fourth best team in their division. They saw the Phillies are stacking up. The Braves are coming off of a division title and looked really good um, and are young and upcoming. Uh, and the Nationals were restocking, even though that Bryce Har- Harper left. <clears throat> Real- realistically, there wasn't a, a great chance for the Mets to to suddenly compete in that division. But still, they went out and bought Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano and traded two of their best prospects in the prospect in the process that didn't make sense at that time. And guess what? It didn't work out. So clearly that's, that's a loss right there. So if we, if we look at it like that, that's when I can, that's when I get into that conversation of who won and lost a trade. But if it made sense for both sides at the time, then there really isn't anything you can do about that. Things just happen, you know? Uh, and, you know, if you really want to go deep into it, just compare the war that both teams have accumulated over that process. Right. If you really want to go deep into that, and that and that counts because even and you know, and I'm seeing this like now with the conversation about if the Mariners lost the Hanniger trade, or if it's suddenly now just kind of a wash. No, because you know, because now you know Segura is gone and everything. Just because you traded away Segura doesn't take away the value that Segura gave you over the last two seasons and also got you back in trades. Um, because you JP Crawford Segura got you Isaiah Campbell and Juan then through that whole string with Encarnacion and Carlos Santana. Um, so that has to come into play here. You still have Mitch Hanniger who, you know, even though that he's really been underwhelming this year, has stinkly been one of the better outfielders in the American League still. And, you know, he's dealing with an injury. But uh, just because uh, Cattell Marte is, you know, a starting second baseman in, in, in the All-Star game doesn't suddenly mean that, you know, you lost a trade or whatever, and both teams can win a trade. There doesn't need to be a wash and it's just like an even split and suddenly there was no point in having the trade. No. Mm-hmm. That's that's not how these things work. And, you know, <laughs> and to think that, you know, suddenly, you know, because Cattell Marte is a two-win player and he's starting second base in the All-Star game, that doesn't suddenly mean that you made a horrible decision. Justin Smoke started an All-Star game. Right. Like... And people hate him here in Seattle. So, well, not I'm in Toronto, but, you know, in Seattle, people hate Justin Smoke. So it's not, you know, it's just, it's all relative, right? And this whole discussion is really, it's just, does this, does this narrative make me feel better about my team doing this or worse about my team doing this? You know? Right. It just, it doesn't matter because, let me ask you, the Cubs... For three months of Aroldis Chapman, they gave up Glaber Torres. Yeah. Six years of Glaber Torres. Mm hmm. They undoubtedly <coughs> lost that trade. <coughs> yeah. How much do they care? Zero. They won a World Series. Yeah, they won a World Series because, uh, because they had Chapman. Chapman helped them win a World Series. Zero percent. So yep. when you look at this and you say, and by the way, this works for Arizona too. Arizona can look at this and say, yeah, you know what? Value wise, we probably lost that trade. We're not going to have more war than we did. Does that mean they regret making the trade? No, 
doesn't. They got Cattell Marte is a really nice player. They were able to sign him to an extension and Walker got hurt, you know, mm-hmm. and Walker probably wasn't, even if Walker is healthy, the Mariners still probably win this trade just because of how good Haniger has been. But they're not regretting that, you know, like they got a player that they really like. They gave him an extension. Now he's going to be around for a while. And yeah, it cost him Gene Segura and Mitch Haniger, but they thought their outfield was pretty well set up. And Segura was, well, we know the issue Segura had in Seattle. So, you know, yeah. uh, so does that mean just because they may lose this trade, but does that mean that they care? No, they're happy with what they got. And Seattle is too. And that's actually the way most trades should work. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, dislike the player they got back for Bruce or Encarnacion or whatever all you want. But the reason for your disappointment, that's on you. That's on yeah. you. You had way too high of expectations. And we sat here for I don't know how many hours and told you guys, don't expect a lot. You really shouldn't expect a lot because both these players, Bruce isn't that good. And he's got two years left on his contract. And Encarnacion's a rental, and rentals aren't worth anything. In Especially trade. not DHs. Yeah, so... You know, that's on you. So if you think the Mariners lost those trades, that's probably because your process was whack. The Mariners process was sound. And ultimately, and I'll tell you, it's almost impossible for them to lose the Encarnacion trade. Basically, Thin has to not make it to the big leagues at all, which is possible. But even if Thin gives you no value whatsoever, you've opened up at-bats for Daniel Vogelback. And yeah. giving Vogelback an extra 100 plate appearances, even if that's all it counts is more valuable information than if you had just stuck with Edwin Encarnacion for July. Yep. It's just, it's just, you guys have to look at context is important here and saying the Mariners won this trade or the Mets won that trade, or they won this one, or they won this one. They lost that. It doesn't matter. It really yeah. doesn't. It's fun. You know, and if we yeah. want to have a discussion about whether they won or lost a trade, that's fun to look back and look at that type of stuff. Yeah. But in terms of building a team, you're not trying to win trades. You're trying to win baseball games. Yeah. And so. you look at, you know, and you look at someone like one then who, you know, is a nice addition to the end of a, you know, trade package. It, it It's not just like, you know, it's not just a matter of, does this guy come up and suddenly help your team and all this? You know, it's not just that it's, it's still like a string of, of, thing of possibilities and um that you know it shouldn't it's not as black and white as most make it seem right and that's what i'm saying is just there there are so many outcomes that can occur here sure and and come out of this so it's just uh, really when you look at a trade and if it doesn't make sense for one or both teams when it happens and and it doesn't, you know, and then it doesn't. Yeah, that team, they got fleeced or they lost the trade or whatever you want to say. Because, yeah, I mean, that was quite obvious from the get-go. But if it made sense at the time, it's it's kind of like the draft thing, like where we're you know, in hindsight, you can say, oh, well, the Mariners selected Dusta Ackley over Mike Trout. Well, so did 19 other teams. You know, it's... The other 30 teams in baseball would have made the same pick. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, and Dawson Ackley at that time was the right pick. Danny Holson probably, you know, was the right pick. It's just, it's. Uh, Danny Holson. You know. uh, Danny Holson was never the right pick for me, and that's a bad <laughs> process. Um, yeah. You could argue Mike Zanino wasn't the right pick, but he was. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like an egregious. You could see the thought process behind them. Yeah, and, but y- y- you know what I'm saying here, right? Yeah. It's uh, everything is in hindsight, and it's just uh, it's the same for for really any situation here in baseball, and and that's why you just you can't get caught up in those conversations. You just you can't allow yourself to because it's just that's the type of like first take Stephen A. Smith type of you know reaction to things like oh let's rank this and let's who won this and blah blah blah. That doesn't matter. Things, things happen how they happen, you know, and maybe, you know, there, there, there's so many trades that you really like when, when the Mariners traded Adam Lynn, did you think like Freddie Peralta would come up and be a solid contributing pitcher for the Brewers in three years? Like, probably not. Like, you know, (laughs) Uh, just these things just happen and that's baseball and that's just sports in general. You know, like, like, do you think like if, 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 uh, you know, going to the, just to the NBA now, you think that the trailblazer, uh, trailblazers are picking Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan? <laughs> like, you know, it's just those things happen. Right. It's just, like you said, you want to great trades and all that stuff for fun, then, you know, go, go for it. And, you know, we do it yeah. on occasion here and. Those are fun yeah. things to talk about. They're fun to kind of dissect. But at the end of the day, if you think because, you know, I don't just Jeff Passan or, you know, uh, Ken Rosenthal or whatever, whoever it is, uh, they give the Mariners a D plus on their trade deadline. Well, who cares what they think? <laughs> like yeah. that's that's that's, a, that's remember. An remember Mel Kuyper's. Yeah. Remember Mel Kuyper's draft grade for the Seahawks in 2012. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it was an F. And by the way, like five year, like he did his three year regrade, A plus. So yeah, nobody knows anything. People think they do. And again, and like I said, I'm not saying that their opinions aren't worthless because if Jeff Passan comes out and says, "Hey, you know, the Mariners could have had this," like, then you say, "Okay, you know, that's that's better or worse, whatever." Like I said, yeah. it's just at the end of the day, whether or not a team wins or loses an individual trade really is irrelevant. It really is in the grand scheme of things. So they said grading trades is for fun, not really for actual analysis of a GM or team building. That's what it really comes down to. So, yeah. And that's, you know, (laughs) that's, uh, that's just how these things work. That's just, it's really just how things work in, in professional sports. Um, you just you're never really gonna know until things happen, and you also shouldn't jump to conclusion after one year. Um, you know there there were trades you know that that the Mariners have made recently that you know got blown out of proportion, and people think that they lost uh, all of a sudden because you know because of how a player played for a couple months. You know, people were you know freaking out over the Danny Valencia trade because uh, you know it was Paul Blackburn right that went over there. Yeah. And Paul Blackburn was do- having a decent, you know, time, you know, coming up and uh, for the A's, and then all of a sudden, 
Who so. cares about Paul? Who cares about Paul Blackburn? So that's it's those things, and and suddenly you know, Tal Marte is a, is a really solid player. I really do. I really do think that. Is he this good? Mm, we'll see. You know, talk to me in <clears throat> October, and more realistically, yeah. talk to me in June of next year. Um, yeah, like talk to me in like three years from now. You know what? Does Mitch Haniger do over those three years, and what does Catal uh, Marte do, and and what do the players that you got from Gene Segura end up doing, or getting you on the trade market, or whatever? There are so many things that play into that. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, another great example is the J.P. Crawford and Gene Segura trade. Everyone was, we had so many people messaging on, us on Twitter. And we were disappointed in the return, too, admittedly. And we talked about that, and we were very open about that. But now, J.P. Crawford almost has the same F4 as Gene Segura, and he's played, like, 60 less games. Yep. So, I mean... it looks like one of Jerry's better trades, and it only took six months, seven months, for us to do a complete 180 on that. Um, So, yeah, you just, you don't know... Um, like I said, at the end of the day, read all those articles for fun. If you want get a different opinion, that's fine too. But when it comes to us analyzing the team building aspect and Jerry DePoto in general, whether or not he wins or loses an individual trade does not greatly impact, um, our feelings on anything. It's just, it's part of the process. So, um, by the way, Gene Segura is having one of his worst years <laughs> at the plate. Like statistically, like when you he's got a 100 WRC plus, his on base percentage is only 318. Like, you know, yeah, so and we and we had you know, and we had Philly fans who were uh discussing, uh, they are the salt of the earth, um, messaging us saying thanks for Segura and all that. Well, thanks for JP, thanks for JP. Thanks for JP and two months of Encarnacion and Isaiah yep. Campbell and, uh, and long like, yeah, yep. that's have fun. Um, so anyways, guys, we have, we, we got a flood of questions here at the end here. So we got to like lightning around this thing. Okay. Let's start, so let's start here with, thanks for all the questions, guys. We have five questions. We're going to start with the two that I think will be the quickest to answer. You ready for this? Okay. Sure. All right. Our old friend Jordan at Mormon Pizza Man would like us to give him a new Twitter handle. And I have nothing for you. I'm sorry, Jordan. Yeah, I, we talked about this on the pre show. I have no idea what to tell you, man. <laughs> What's wrong with Mormon Pizza Man? I like it. Yeah, that's a really good handle. That's a handle. strong that's, handle, man. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a that's a 60 grade handle. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think yeah. Jordan's from around the Everett area, so maybe you could. Because here's the, you don't want your your Twitter handle to be too long because it takes up too many characters. Yeah. So I mean, Mormon Pizza Man's already about as far as you want to stretch it. So mm-hmm. I mean, unless you want like, I I don't know, man. I, I I think that's a strong Twitter handle. I would keep it personally. If you if, you know to 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 reference uh, Parks and Rec, if you want to make b- one Ben Wyatt happy, you can change your name to Mormon Calzone, Calzone. Man. <laughs> the Calzones, they betrayed me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the Calzones betrayed me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so yes so that's the, uh the low cow cow zone zone there's your twitter yeah handle. the low cow cow yeah the low cow cow zone, cow zone, zone. zone. there you go that's the twitter <laughs> handle yeah. uh i i would seriously rock that jordan um low cow cow yeah whatever the, yeah, the, the low cow cow zone zone i believe was his <laughs> restaurant so uh yeah i'd roll with that or i would stick with mormon pizza man i like it um yep. all right so let's jump over to jeff real fast jeff wants to know if he would see the twins going after tim beckham no um no hi yeah no yeah they, um, they have uh luis Arez or however you say his name to kind of be their utility guy they they don't need him and they also have adrianza who's on the IL right now, but should be back. So no. Yeah. There are fits between the Mariners and the twins. Just Tim Beckham's not one of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a no. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So now we have, let's see who gets bumped off the roster when Jake Fraley is ready. He says, besides Braden Bishop, this is from Chris uh, Bishop's not going anywhere unless he's traded. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it's not going to be Braden Bishop. So, Who's if Fraley gets called up, let's say by the end of this month, let's let's make it let's if Fraley gets called up before Mitch Haniger is ready to go, who gets bumped? Mac Williamson, obviously. Yeah. Like, no. That's <laughs> yeah. not a question, right? Like, right. yeah. Here's yeah. a more interesting one. If Fraley doesn't come up until August and Haniger's back and Williamson has been bounced, who is he coming up for? We don't know because by August this team is probably going to look a lot different. Completely different. Shed Long's probably your starting second baseman. Uh, I don't know. I if Tim Beckham's still around, I would say Dylan Moore. Yeah. Um, if, oh, you know what's you know what's pretty neat for me being you know outside of Washington. So I'm I'm going to uh, to L.A. to visit my brother um, next week, and I'm. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Mariners are playing the Angels at that time in Anaheim. So I think I'm, and then the Mariners are back in Toronto in August. So I'm going to get to see the team pre deadline and post deadline. Nice. Like nice. pretty close. So that should be pretty neat. That'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say if it's before uh, Hanniger's back, Williamson's the easy answer. He's worthless. Um, mm-hmm. And once, once Williamson is gone, I would say, either Dylan Moore or Tim Beckham. Um, mm-hmm. You only need one utility guy and shed long can also play a few different positions when he's up too. So uh, yep. it would be one of those guys. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so now we kind of get to our two longer questions here. Uh, Denise uh, at DRM 1125 wants to know, how are you feeling about justice Sheffield after his double a starts? Uh, and then he wants, or she wants to know, uh, What's happening to the pitching? Because it seems like that's the biggest problem area of the rebuild, um, which is interesting. Um, so if you guys don't know, Justice Sheffield was demoted to double A about two, three weeks ago now. Yeah. Uh, and he's gone down to double A and he's pitched really well. He took a no hitter into the eighth inning in his last start. Um, mm-hmm. and he finished with, uh, what, two walks, one hit in eight innings and he struck out eight. Um, mm-hmm. He's look, he's been really good in double A, so. Um, I don't know how you feeling about Sheffield because we never yeah, really I, wavered on him. Well, I think the I think the really good thing here is that um, command's gotten significantly better. Mm-hmm. 
he's just hitting the zone. He's not walking guys at all, uh, really. And that was his biggest problem. And and that was the whole point of sending him down there was to just figure things out. You're going against. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's kind of lesser competition, I guess. Um, maybe slightly, but it's not a significant. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not like yeah. So, it, but to just kind of get him in a different environment, facing hitters that haven't faced him before. Um, I don't know. I I, I think it's uh, it it was a good opportunity for him to to go down there and just let loose and. And really just focus on him instead of focusing on the end goal of the season, which I would assume for him was to end in Seattle, um, which probably isn't going to happen now. It might still. We'll see. Um, see. Yeah, come like mid-August, you know, early September around then. uh, They might give him a but yeah, I think I think he's I think he's made uh, good progress over these uh, last three starts, and you know we'll see if they if they bring him back to Tacoma and just kind of see uh, you know how he readjusts there, um, and then if his if his confidence stays, uh, I, I can't see why not uh, he would uh, be back. Yeah, I guess I don't. My feelings haven't changed about Sheffield at all because. I never gave up on him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the of guy, course. The guy's 23 years old. I yep. mean, so, so I and, mean, and his real, and his only real issue is control command. And those things are very, very fixable. Right. He's still, he's a good athlete. He always has been. The velocity's not down significantly, if at all. Uh, the yep. stuff, stuff was still had plenty of movement and all that. He just struggled to throw it where he wanted it. Um, mm-hmm. And in AAA, that's going to get hit because those guys are AAA hitters are either major leaguers who are trying to get back to the big leagues or they're the guys who are right there. So, I mean, they're going Mm -hmm. to hit mistakes. They're going to be able to hit. It doesn't matter if you throw, you know, a nasty slider. If it's out of the zone, they're going to take that pitch. Uh, They're just a little more advanced than AA guys. Um, So it was always it was always about and I thought always about just sending them down refining the mechanics a little bit, finding something that works and then coming back up. Um, I don't know if you'll, you'll see him come back to Tacoma. He might just jump straight to the big leagues. Um, but he, in April and May, he wasn't terrible in AAA. He was just kind of, eh. uh, mm-hmm. June was brutal for him. Um, so it's nice to see him just kind of get this deep breath and he'll reset. I, I was never too worried about Justin Sheffield. Again, he's 23. Um, and he's still a good athlete in the stuff's, they said if we were talking about like a three mile per hour drop on his fastball, then I'd be concerned because that's probably an injury. Seems like it was just mechanics. So um, he'll probably make a couple more starts down there and then we'll see. Um, yeah, I was never too worried about Sheffield. Uh, yeah. Let's move move on to the second part of the question is what's going what's uh, going to happen with the pitching? Um, you know, see, she Denise seems to think it's going to be the biggest problem of the rebuild. Um uh-huh. I don't agree. Uh, yeah, I, I don't agree either. <clears throat> I um, well, it depends on what pitching um, you're referring to, whether it be starting or, or uh, bullpen. And bullpens yeah. can be fixed in a matter of days, really. Yeah. Uh, you make two uh, moves in the bullpen, and everything all of a sudden clicks. Like it's it's yeah. insane. 
but as for the rotation, you know, I think, um, you know, they were lacking a bit in, in uh, actual starting quality pitching depth in, in, in their farm system. And, I, you know, and they went heavy on that this year in the draft. Uh, it really addressed that. And, um, you know, I think with the few arms that they already had in-house with Logan Gilbert and L.J. Newsom and, you know, Sam Carlson still exists. Justice uh, and so, yeah, and uh, and now you add George Kirby and Isaiah Campbell and Brandon Williamson and Levi Stout and Tim Elliott. Those guys, too, and, you know, Michael Limoncelli, Adam Macko. Yep. Yeah, so uh, there are a lot of names in there that you have a really good chance on hitting a, a, at least a couple of them. And, um, right. and One of those I, guys I, is probably going to be a bust. That's statistically speaking. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it is Justice Sheffield. Who knows? Yeah, it'd be. Uh, so, but I think there, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of things to be encouraged by, especially, you know, someone like LJ Newsom, who's uh, really transcended his projection and has added a lot to, to his game and, and now has a legitimate chance of being a big league starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and those things happen. Um, guys just, you know, they fix things, you know, they put new things into, uh, into what, what they're doing and they figure things out. And then, you know, maybe you get a, maybe a guy like Darren McCacken, who I really like, suddenly becomes, uh, you know, something more than you think. Yes, he'll become Jeff Weaver, not the good one. Um, (laughs) but yeah, no, and then that's not, that's not even counting the guys in your rotation right now who, Marco Gonzalez and Yusei Kikuchi, I mean, they're not spectacular, but they're big league starters, um, and they're young, and they're controllable as well. So I don't really see pitching as a major area of need uh, any more so than it is for any other team where basically, you know, no team has enough pitching if you really want to be, you know, be accurate about it. But mm-hmm. um, And I would have been concerned about the depth too, uh, except they just went out and crushed it in this draft. They've added so many pitchers, um, and they're developing so many more. We didn't even talk about a guy like Ricardo Sanchez, who's tearing it up in Double A. Um, and like you mentioned, Darren yeah. Gack, uh, Damon Cassetta Stubbs. We didn't mention. I, there's just there's so much going on right now. Um, I guess the one area where maybe I don't I don't see like a true ace, like I don't see the Max Scherzer of the group, but that's because there's only like five of those guys in existence. So. Um, you know, you don't, I think need... Logan Gilbert has a chance though. I, I think, think we're, I think it's more likely he's a strong number two, mm-hmm. uh, which is sure. fine. Yeah. You don't, you don't need an ACE to win the world series. It helps. Yeah. I mean, having Verlander and Cole go back to back, that really helps, but you don't need it. You can get by with, you know, John Lester is your number one, Jake Arietta, that can win yeah. you a world series. So, and you uh, can go out and get that guy Yeah. now that you're, your farm system looks the way that it does, and it and it'll keep getting stronger as the years go. Um, right. I mean, I think they, I they think go up. Go ahead. You can, you know, you can go out and add that guy in 2021, 2022. You know, say at the deadline, you know, two years from now, you're first place by five, six games, and now you suddenly, you know, you're thinking you got a chance. So, and what do you know? The Rays are cheap, and all of a sudden you can have Blake Snell. 
<laughs> or you can go out next winter and sign Trevor Bauer. Or hey, you know you what? Know. You can afford. You can now afford to go out and you can get. You can be in the talks for Jacob Degrom and Noah Syndergaard. You're legitimately could be in those talks. Yep. Uh, you know, or you know, maybe heck, you just go out this off season and you sign Zach Wheeler, um, and he's just a number three, and you just have a rotation full of number twos and number threes, and you're so deep, and your offense is so good, and your bullpen is finally stacked up that you don't really. I mean, you could still go toe to toe with Scherzer, and you know, mm-hmm. even though you don't have a Max Scherzer, so um, it's a really interesting question. I just, I think, I think pitching is one of the areas of strength now. Um, at least depth-wise, maybe not top-level talent, but I think there's a a real chance that Dunn or Gilbert can be that number one type, just not quite a true ace, uh, which mm. is always splitting. Um, so thanks for the question here. Now we are running out of time, and we got to wrap this up. So of course I saved the longest question for last. Um, this one came in six, seven minutes ago dropped a bomb on us project the starting lineup in two years with existing players in the organization only. So no pitching. All right. No pitch. So catcher. Um, hmm. there's three really good options here. I'm just going to go with Nervaez. Yeah. I think you're looking at Nervaez and I think I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Murphy with Ben's and, um, Ben's and, uh, Raleigh knocking on the door. And I do think there's a good chance that uh, one of those four is traded. And if it's Narvaez, mm-hmm. then I think you'll see Raleigh be the guy. If it's Murphy, then I think you'll probably see Benz. Um, mm-hmm. So one of those four first base, Evan white, right? Yeah. If we're only using players in the organization, second base, probably shed long. Yep. JP Crawford. Yeah. yeah. JP Crawford's a shortstop. Yep. Third base. This is interesting. Two years mm-hmm. from now, so 2021, Kyle Seeger would be in the last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's interesting. Not a lot of depth here in the minor league right. system we discussed. Actually, actually, let's go second base Donnie Walton Ooh. and third base Shed Long. Okay. Um, I think I'll stick with Seeger at third. Yeah. Just, I just yeah. think he'll get traded. I just, that's. Maybe we'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with him at third for this particular exercise, though. Ooh. Okay. Um, uh, outfield is really interesting. Yeah. So, who's uh, the... so Jake Fraley's got to have one of those spots. Um, maybe Mitch Hanniger. Maybe you got you got so many options here with Hanniger and Malix, but then you got to think you know Kyle Lewis. Um, Jerry Kelnick's two years. There's Julio. Who's the guy who came out of nowhere? What's that? Got a significant jump over the next year or so where he puts himself in a position to play in 2021. Um, There's, there's a lot of options here. That's a, that's really difficult. Um, I think in in center field, I will take Jake Fraley. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then I guess Mitch Haniger and I really want to say Kyle Lewis, but I just I don't know about that. Um, I would you know I would love for it to be Kyle Lewis, but I don't. I think Malix will get traded at some point. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
I guess Kellenic. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go Fraley and left. Kelnick in center. Hanniger in right. I think Hanniger stays. Malix gets traded. Um, and I think Bishop's kind of the fourth outfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then obviously we don't know who's entering the organization at this time. So, um, yeah. so Daniel Vogelback is your DH. He's the, he's the DH, yeah. Yep. And then maybe Kyle Lewis and like Jake Fraley or Platoon or something like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I like. It's, I don't know, man. With the way, with the way Jake Fraley is sitting right, now, <laughs> I don't think he might. You know, he might not yeah. be a Platoon guy anymore. Still yeah, we still, we thought that still needs to hit lefties on a more consistent basis. But you give him that chance before you, you know, you make him a a Platoon guy. So um, yeah, I mean Fraley is. Kind of what we're talking about, you know, going back to the, you know, the winning the trade thing. Um, mm. There's a really good chance Jake Fraley is the best player in that entire deal. Um, Which is kind of like Mitch Hanniger being the best player yep. in the Diamondback deal. So we just, we don't know. Um, so, yeah, I think what is funny is, though, is that Jake Fraley made it in both of our 2021 lineups where, you know, Three four months ago, he was what our number fifteen prospect, and we're like, oh yeah, he might be a fourth outfielder, <laughs> you know. And here he is. But you know, but we his numbers last year, you know, he had that one some WRC plus, and we're thinking like, you know, he's not gonna do that. But yeah, surely I mean, not. he's pretty. He's pretty much been that this year. So I mean. You know, if a player's if a player is young and he's crushing every level of you know minor league baseball, then you have to take notice. You sure do. And um, then you have to suddenly think that there's probably more to him than than you think. Right. This is my I, I love this, and it's a really small sample size in AAA, but still. Uh, and then we'll wrap up the show on this. Uh, huh. In tri- in AA Arkansas, Fraley was hitting three thirteen, three eighty six, five thirty nine. Got promoted in 11 games. Again, small sample size. In Triple A Tacoma, he's hitting 313, 365, 625. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the batting average is identical. The on base is down about 20 points. The slugging's up about 100. Um, so, yeah, Fraley is going to make his debut sometime this year. He's 24 years old. You're not rushing him. Um, I would be a little bit surprised if he's not up before September 1st. So, um, yeah. Kind of play all three outfield spots. Good base runner. Um, <clears throat> you know, Fraley's kind of looking like Hanniger 2.0. And if it is, oh boy, uh, we should probably build DePoto a statue. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, guys, that's going to wrap up the podcast. Thank you guys so much for all the questions. We really do appreciate it. Uh, make sure you guys follow, follow uh, the Twitter account at SotomojoFS. It's the best way to send us questions, ideas, comments, concerns, yada, yada, about the podcast, the website, the content, the Twitter account itself, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, make sure you guys do that on Twitter, at SotoMojoFS. Best place to get a hold of us. Um, we also, uh, you guys you need to, uh, need to, <laughs> if you guys could go to SotoMojo.com, make sure you read all of our trade today stuff. We have a lot of trade stuff going up here. Um, a lot of good, fun stuff be sure to uh it would be sure to start a discussion at the very least it's a nice way of matching players to potential fits 
Um, so mm-hmm. make sure you guys get those a read at sotomojo.com. Um, and again, make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast so uh, you guys don't miss any new episodes. We're seeing some pretty good growth here on the podcast, and we really do appreciate it. So let's keep it going. And um, as always, you know, let's let's get Cornelius to wear that uniform on Players Weekend. Um, let's wait and see if he's in the Derby. And after we accomplish that goal, we're moving on to Cornelius for Players Weekend. So um, yeah. join us. Join us in that movement. Hashtag Cornelius Vogel bombs. Um, and I don't know, maybe someday we'll get off our butts and make a t-shirt or something. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyways, Ty, we're about to wrap it up. You have any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think we, uh, I think we got everything covered today. Uh, a lot of good stuff. Um, you know, and this is, this is kind of the end game, uh, with, uh, for the Mariners this year with, you know, what is, how does Jerry DePoto set himself up, uh, for the off season? A lot of, it's going to be a lot of fun guys. We will be back next week during the all-star break or wait, Ty, are you in Los Angeles next early next week? Uh, I don't know. I haven't bought my ticket yet, so I'll, you know, we'll, I'll keep you covered and, uh, we'll, we'll figure things out and everything, but, uh, but yeah, it might be a solo cast and that's fine. Um, (laughs) but we'll, we'll definitely be back sometime next week. Uh, we will not be talking about the all-star game because I could not care less about it. Um, (laughs) the Derby if Vogelback's in, I will care about everything else. I really don't. We'll probably talk a little futures game next week. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe the Mariners make a trade or maybe we'll hear some more rumors or things like that. So uh, make sure you guys, again, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of that uh, goodness. So thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the Soto Mojo Podcast. I'm Colby. He's Ty. And we will see you in another life, brother. Peace. <laughs>